Well, howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is your host, Zeb, of the Huda Thunkin Podcast, Season 2, Episode 20. And let's just get right into it, because this is going to be a long one, I'm thinking. A recommendation segment for this week is super simple. Anything Sir Christopher Lee worked on or inspired, watch it, check it out. Um because that's who the episode is actually about, the main event. Um, to me and my generation, he was the Sith Lord Count Dooku from Star Wars and the evil wizard Saruman from Lord of the Rings. It turns out his real-life story was much more legendary than either of those fictional characters combined. I kept finding fact after fact after this guy, story after story, that he was one of the coolest people to ever grace this earth, I swear. This episode is about Sir Christopher Frank Tarantini Lee. Just as a heads up to the blog readers and I guess you audio uh, listeners as well, I use a ton of images for this episode. I just kept finding amazing images of this man. Plus, there were a ton of memes claiming extraordinary facts about him that I wanted to double check. So let us start by going over his Guinness Book of World Records uh, records that he made um, just to give you an idea of how amazing he was. There's multiple records he set. So first, most screen credits for a living actor. That was made in 2007. He has since passed. But after in 2007, after being acknowledged to have appeared in an incredible 244 film and TV movies, when he passed in 2015, the number had gone up to 282 acting credits, according to IMDb. Wikipedia has a comprehensive list of his acting credits. You can check it out. Um, it just says Christopher Lee Filmography. Some of his most notable roles, Francisco Scaramanga from James Bond, The Man with the Golden Gun, Saruman, Lord of the Rings series, Frankenstein's Monster, Kairos, The Mummy in the movie The Mummy, Count Dracula, Lord Summerisle in the British mo- mystery movie The Wicker Man, the diver Martian Martin Wallace in the disaster movie Airport 77, Count Dooku from Star Wars, like I said, Count de Rochefort in... A couple of the Three Musketeers movies, Willy Wonka's dad, Emperor of China, The Grim Reaper, Lucifer, Grigory Rasputin, Ramsey's Vlad the Impaler, he hosted SNL, he's a Russian commandant, Alexandri Nikolaevich Rakov in Police Academy 7. Those are just a small fraction of the roles that he played, but I picked them because they all sounded like really fun roles to play to me. Another record he set, tallest actor in a leading role. It's a record he would go on to share with Wedding Crashers star Vince Vaughn. Um, Christopher Lee was six foot five, so very tall. Most films with a sword fight by an actor. Having dueled in 17 films with foils, swords, and even billiard cues, he's been in everything from cutlass fights on the decks of waterlogged pirate ships to rapier uh, duels in 17th century France to take on a couple of guys one-third of his age with lightsabers on a, and a fistful of force lightning on the deck of an imperial destroyer. So in 2004, he helped set the record for first spoken dialogue in a massive multiplayer online role-playing game, video game, after lending his vo- uh, vocal talents to the game EverQuest 2. He played the role of Diz Ansem the Wise in Kingdom of Hearts game to set the record for oldest video game voice actor. That same year also saw Lead Knighted for services in drama and charity before being awarded a BAFTA fellowship in 2011. And get... I'm gonna, there's going to be so many awards I go over in this episode. <laughs> in 2008, he was recognized by Guinness Book of World Records as the most connected actor living. 
after software developed by the University of Virginia that mapped the working relationship between 1,250,000 actors and actresses in the Internet Movie Database determined that Lee was at the center of Hollywood, quite literally, like everyone knew Christopher Lee. His networking skills must have been amazing. I bet he was a, a hoot to have at a party. But even legends have to start out somewhere. So that's all his records. Now let's just dial it back. That's how, that's how his end, life ended up. In the late 2000s, he was had all these records about him. He was known by everyone who was, you know, need to be known. But how did he start out? Well, Lee was born in England during the year 1922. That's right. And his father was Lieutenant Colonel Geoffrey Trollope Lee. And his dad lived from 1879 to 1941. Lee's father was a distant relative of, of Robert E. Lee, the head of the re rebel army in the American Civil War. And he was a multi-decorated war hero who'd served as colonel in the 60th King's Royal Rifle Corps during World War I and the Boer War. So his dad was a veteran in two different wars. And his mother, Countess Estelle Marie, lived from 1889 to 1981. She was an Italian countess and descendant of Charlemagne, like the Charlemagne. One of Lee's ancestors on that side was the Papal Secretary of State who refused to attend the coronation of Napoleon and is buried in the Pantheon in Rome next to Raphael. So, quite the, quite the lineage. His mom's visage was apparently so striking that her portrait was painted by almost a dozen famous Italian painters. So, he's got this smoking hot mom, he's got this war veteran of a dad, multi-war veteran, Lee studied classics at Wellington College. He was a champion squash player and, like, world-class fencer. He spent his spare time playing school hockey and rugby. His spare time playing these really, really difficult uh, sports that you want to get into. You have to put a lot of time in. That was his spare time, just hockey and rugby. <laughs> in 1939, Lee quit his desk job as a desk clerk to enlist in the Finnish Army against the Soviet invasion of Finland. That's right. So this guy went from a desk clerk to fighting in the Winter War. He didn't see much combat at the time he returned to England in 1940, but this means he did technically fight in the Winter War. That means Lee, the guy I'm talking about now, was on was fighting in a war on the same side as the White Death. That's Sibo Heha. I did an episode of him, uh, season one, episode 37, Who to Thunk It, as published back in November of 2020. Uh, so they fought on the same side of the war. And I had no idea when I started this podcast because there's so many other things about him that are amazing. When Lee did return to England, it wasn't for no reason. He went to enlist in the Royal Air Force to fight against the Nazis. 1940 makes sense. He enlisted in the Royal Air Force in 1940 and trained with the Havilland Tiger Moths. Just before he was to have his first solo fight, he was diagnosed with a failure of his optic nerve that caused his headaches and blurred vision. Devastated, he was told he would never fly again, but that wasn't the end of his military career. Far from it. He became an intelligence officer in World War II and was shipped out to North Africa to join the Long Range Desert Patrol. That's the, I'll refer to it from here on out as the LRDP, Long Range Desert Patrol. And you're like, hmm, doesn't sound that fantastic, but it is, because they would later become to be known as the British SAS. Now, if you have any knowledge of military powers of the world or have seen a few movies, about history or even played a call of duty game you know the sas are some hardcore warriors like bear grills was in the sas so 
and, he, and Christopher Lee was part of the group that pre that came like predated it, came right before it. Although Christopher Lee himself seldom spoke about his time in the military, history shows that the LRDP were some of the most elite soldiers in World War II. While in Africa, they took convoys of hundreds hundreds of miles behind enemy lines, braving the formidable Sahara Desert, which kills armies, entire armies, to sabotage Nazi Luftwaffe airfields with espionage, quick, precise attacks, and of course, explosives. The unit Christopher Lee fought in the LRDP was very effective. After his time in the LRDP, Lee became, he joined a different group and became a special operations executive, sometimes just called SOE. The special operations executive, they would later be known as Winston Churchill's Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Now just let that, let that title sink in of a, of a group, a military group, Winston Churchill's Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare warfare it's almost like the british were saying sorry not sorry that we're gonna win this war in an ungentlemanly fashion that's what got to be the one of the most british names for a military group i've ever heard but these special operations executives led small team assaults on germany's top secret nuclear weapons sites in norway they worked with eastern european rebels to force uh, forces to destroy Nazi supply lines that would have given them a chance to defeat the Soviets. So they were a key role in winning World War II. Later in the 2000s, you know, and his later in his life, he's an elderly man now. Lee was asked by a reporter about his time in the military. Lee, the six foot five legendary war veteran, famous for playing some of the most terrifying roles in cinematic history, stopped dead in his tracks when he was questioned. He turned to face the reporter and gestured for him to come closer. This man has played death, and he is now focusing all his attention on this reporter that is about half his height. Lee asked, can you keep a secret? And if you hear the way Lee talks, he talks like that. It's so amazing. He's like, can you keep a secret? To which the reporter eagerly said, yes, expecting Lee to finally open up about his combat experience. At this, Lee leaned down and whispered in his ear, so can I, and just walked out of the room. So he's like, can you keep a secret? The reporter's like, yeah. So can I, and just left. <laughs> so, so even though he doesn't say much about it, records show that when Lee retired from the military as a flight lieutenant in 1945, he was personally decorated for battlefield bravery by the Yugoslavian, Czech, Polish, and English governments. And he was also good friends with the former president of the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, Josip Broz. So he had one, two, three, four different governments decorate him for battlefield bravery not like doing a good job behind the lines in the heat of battle so he saw some stuff after the war lee started his long career of acting in 1948 but it did take about 10 years till he got his first big role uh, in 1957 lee got his first big hit the curse of frankenstein where he played frankenstein's monster what a cool role and in 19 and it just sort of kept rolling then his career got even bigger in 1958 he played one of his most iconic roles in dracula playing count dracula himself and he went on to do like nine sequels as dracula he's played dracula more than any other actor in 1959, he played the mummy, Karas, in the movie The Mummy. So the movie's called The Mummy. He was the mummy. Then in 1974, Lee played Francisco Scaramanga, the main villain from James Bond, the man with the golden gun. There's a, I have a picture on the blog of, of Lee holding a, the golden gun. And it's like, <laughs> it's got to be one of the first times that anyone made holding a weapon look like baller, like really cool. <laughs> so I thought that was neat. And he does look really cool holding this golden gun. 
even though he played the villain in this movie, Christopher Lee was James Bond. Let me explain. Although Lee didn't get an official credit for inspiring the character, Ian Fleming, coincidentally Lee's step-cousin, has admitted that Lee's days as a spy are what inspired him to create the ultimate super spy, James Bond. So, And Ian Fleming and Lee fought together in the SOE, the Special Opera Operations Executives, So during World War II. So they fought together, and Ian Fleming has said, yeah, he inspired me to write this. He was James Bond. <laughs> Not officially, but oh my gosh. Oh. On to some of his next bigger roles. Like I said, my generation knows him as Count Dooku and Saruman, um, whereas older generations know him as Dracula and, you know, James Bond villain. But with Lord, of, let's go on with Lord of the Rings now. Sir Christopher Lee, Saruman, read the Lord of the Rings, the books, once a year, every year, until his death in 2015, and had done so since the year it, it was published because he was that old. He was also the only member of the cast and crew to have met J.R.R. Tolkien. So Lee was obsessed with the Lord of the Rings. And in 2010, an interview with Cinefantastique, uh, Lee described meeting Tolkien as quite by chance. He said, quote, I met him with a group of other people in a pub in Oxford he used to go to, the eagle and the child. He said, I was very much in awe of him. And as you can imagine, uh, so I just said, how do you do? <laughs> and I, because he was a massive fan of the books, quote, he said, quote, the greatest literary achievement in my lifetime. Lee was determined to be involved in any screen adaptation. So he put he went into work. He didn't just let it happen. In the 1990s, he started trying out for other wizard roles. He knew that he was old enough. He wasn't going to get to be Frodo or, you know, Legolas or anything. So he decided that he would try to be one of the wizards. So he tried out for other roles. And by 1997, he landed the role of Wizard Ulwin in the TV series, The New Adventures, or yeah, The New Adventures of Robin Hood. When he heard Peter Jackson was making the, the now famous Lord of the Rings films, Lee sent him a picture of himself dressed as a wizard, robes and all, with a note saying, this is what I look like as a wizard. Don't forget this when you cast the movie. I just, <laughs> I imagine someone with such stature and with such experience and age and wisdom like your grandfather just saying, don't forget that. You know what I mean? I love this story because it humanizes Lee. Like we see him, you know, think of him as a six foot five guy, a terror of cinema, such an amazing guy. But also he was a massive fanboy of Tolkien. You know what I mean? He had his own, he, he wanted to be a wizard so bad. And there's this story, there's a video of it on YouTube. They're even made memes out of it. Um, but uh, Peter Jackson said he started to go into this long act that he was lectured by Christopher Lee on how to act out being stabbed in the back. <laughs> he said, um, Lee said he, he uh, Peter Jackson said Lee went into this long explanation of what sound should make when you got stabbed. Lee said, I seem to recall that I did say to Peter, have you any idea what kind of noise happens when somebody is stabbed in the back? And I said, because I do. That's what Lee said. <laughs> and he said, it's not an ah, it's more like a gasp because the breath's driven out of the body. And Peter Jackson said, and then he proceeded to talk about some very clandestine part of the World War II. So on the set of Lord of the Rings, Saruman's getting stabbed in the back. And Peter Jackson, the director, is like, okay, this is how I want you to act it. And Christopher Lee's like, you don't need to tell me how to act it. I know what it sounds like when someone gets stabbed in the back. This is coming from a guy who doesn't talk about his military expertise. That's that's chilling. That's legendary. Amazing. 
Also, Count Dooku, Christopher Lee, and the guy who played Grand Moff Tarkin in the Star Wars original trilogy were best friends in real life. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, that's their names, were in 24 movies together, and they once got kicked out of a movie theater for laughing too hard while watching Looney Tunes. I'm just imagining these two terrors of cinema giggling together like schoolboys at slapstick comedy in the form of Looney Tunes, and it's hilarious. Like, they're two of the some of the most scariest guys you're, that have ever graced the screen and they're just giggling little <laughs> giggling like little schoolboys. Oh, it's funny. Like there's so many memes on here and so many claims of of Christopher Lee's life. I just kept running into so many new things. And and you know, here we go. Lee's music career. <laughs> That's right. He was into music as well. Um uh, oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> Sometime in the 50s, Christopher Lee was engaged to the daughter of a Swedish count. So Swedish royalty, and he asked Lee to prove that he was worthy of marrying his daughter by getting the blessing of the king of Sweden. Lee, who had met the king of a few years earlier, just called and got his blessing. He's like, yeah, I can marry her. No problem. It was like a bet in a bar. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to his music career. Lee, going back to Lee's collegiate ex education on the classics, he was a classically trained vocalist. So when he was 88 years old, he came out with an album about his ancestor Charlemagne called Charlemagne by the Sword and the Cross. He did an, a metal album at 88. He played with Man of War and Rhapsody. His single, L uh, Let Legend Mark Me as the King, what a cool name for a song, a metal song, was written by some of the guys from Judas Priest. So he's worked with some of the great metal people, It's and he has a great vocalist. I have a video on the blog of him teaching people how to use a sword, and just the way, like what he's saying about how to use a sword, his knowledge of the swords is impressive, but it's the way the man talked. You knew you were talking to a classic gentleman when you spoke with Christopher Lee, or you listened to him. And here's, I'm, I'm, I'm just some miscellaneous accolades. These are the miscellaneous ones, the ones that didn't make their own their own uh, topic, but are still amazing. Oh, Lee's also a master of golf, being the only actor to be a member of the Honorable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, the most prestigious country club in the world. He was married to uh, Bridget Kronick, a Danish supermodel, for 54 years. He was commander of the Order of St. John's of Jerusalem, the Order of St. Uh, John, uh, short for Most Venerable Order of the Hospital of St. John of Jerusalem, and also known as St. John International, is a British Royal Order of Chivalry constituted in 1888 by Royal Charter from Queen Victoria and dedicated to St. John the Baptiste. So... He was part of this. He's a commander of the Order of St. John. He's a knight bachelor of the Order of the British Empire. He received the World's, World Awards Lifetime Achievement Award presented to him by Mikhail Gorbachev in 2013. He got an award from Gorbachev. <laughs> also was awarded the UNICEF Award of 2012 and the Cinema for Peace Award in 2014, which he received from Angelina Jolie. <laughs> There's just so many awards and so many achievements this man made. His characters were executed by Charles, or yeah, have been executed by both Charles I of England and Louis XVI of France. He's portrayed Englishmen, Egyptians, Spaniards, Transylvanians, Frenchmen, Greeks, Poles, Chinese, uh, Indians, Italians, Wallachians, Romans, Germans, Arabs, Gypsies, and Russians. Played the lead role in the biography of Muhammad Ali, the founder of Pakistan. He speaks English, German, Russian, Swedish, Italian, and French, and can do any English accent he wants, and sings everything from opera to death metal 
and a hardcore bass voice. Now, Lee's movies have grossed more than any actor ever. His top five alone grossed $4.4 billion. He filmed every single scene in Star Wars 3 in just a single day. He's never received a Best Actor nomination, but he's been in four movies nominated for Best Picture. Lee's belonged to three stuntman unions and did all his own stuff all his own stunts. He even has cool stunt injury stories. He once busted his face, smashing his head first through a actual plate glass window for a scene. He injured himself falling into an open grave while portraying Dracula and once had his hand slashed open during a drunken sword fight with golden Hollywood era star Errol Flynn. The man has so many stories. It's just amazing. He was a real life James Bond. He played Count Dooku. He was a living legend. You might point to his incredibly impressive ancestry or perhaps his military training, but after learning about his life, you have to realize he was different from most people in a spectacular way. I would have loved to have met him, maybe have a glass of brandy with the man, but I never will. I'm just lucky I got to see his movies while he was still around. Lucky we, there's still a lot of people around who knew him. This was a really long episode to do and a lot of research. I think you'd like the blog post. It's, I always include a link in the description of the of the podcast. Check it out. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. That's the end of Season 2, Episode 20 of the Huda Thunker Podcast. I'm, uh, I'll see you next week, guys. I'll probably be posting these on Wednesdays from now on as my work schedule shifted. So, no, but no big deal. Episodes come out on Wednesday, one day earlier. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Thank you.